the Rogers outage that has spawned just uh, multiple conversations uh, in this uh, country and one of the many conversations going on right now, are consumers, are consumers adequately protected? Joining us now for more on that is Michael Geist, who holds the research chair in Internet and e-commerce law at the University of Ottawa. Michael is on the line and joins us now. Michael, good afternoon. Appreciate uh, your time. Oh, good afternoon. Thanks so much for having me. First off, uh, do you think the situation we've seen unfold the uh, last few days with uh, Rogers, is it somewhat uh, analogous to what we saw go on in the airline industry and uh, with uh, delays, not only recently, but over the last uh, few years, that really sparked a conversation about passengers' rights and eventually ended with a passenger bill of rights? Is a similar conversation because of the Rogers situation, do you think, Michael, going on right now when it comes to uh, the Internet and uh, wireless service in this country? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think the answer is yes, especially when it comes to the compensation side of what we saw take place. So, you know, I think everyone recognizes Rogers is in the wrong on this and that something is owing to consumers. The, I think the problem is that there's a pretty strong difference of opinion between what the companies think may think it owes and what consumers, I think, expectations are. And we had the same thing play out in the airline sector for, for a very long time, where there were questions as to what kind of compensation were people owed when when flights were were delayed, and it took until we got actual regulations to set standards. If the flight was delayed by more than four hours, fault of the airline. Uh, here's what they owe. If it goes for an additional number of hours, then this is what they owe. And you had a clear clear set of metrics. Now the airlines sometimes fight along the way, but at least there are rules in place. When it comes to the telecom side, there's very little, and in fact sounds like the company thinks it can pay off the actual cost of a day or two of service. So pretty nominal, especially when contrasted with the actual harm and inconvenience that this was caused. And I think consumers would rightly expect that they should be paid based on that kind of standard, not based on what it costs for a day of service. So how do we figure out what is right when it comes to damages? Because you're right, there seems to be a pretty big chasm right now between what Rogers, the company, is offering and what uh, a lot of customers uh, believe uh, they're owed. And, I mean, this doesn't affect, I guess, everybody uh, equally, or, or, or does it, do you think, Michael? Because I'm thinking there's some customers that, uh, well, maybe they just couldn't get online for, for a day or two and uh, couldn't do online gaming. And then there's businesses who uh, really uh, could probably show some uh, real damage here because Interact services and other Internet services were not available to them and could have cost them business. Yeah, no, there was clearly big business implications. I wouldn't downplay the individual consumer side either, though. I mean, we now know of stories where people were unable to access emergency services. They may have had to cancel certain activities because of their inability to access things. So I, I think the impact at the consumer level was significant. And and I think that the, you know your question about the different kinds of impacts highlights the fact that we would do far better to have a, a clear standard about what those payments might be. And while the company seems to want to think that, well, 24 hours offline is a good time to say that at that point in time something's owing, I don't think that's appropriate at all. It seems to me that if you're offline for, let's say, more than four hours, that's going to have an impact, and there ought to be both transparency about those outages, uh, regularly reported to the public, and it should be a line item on your bill that if uh, if you experience those kind of outages, here's the compensation that you're entitled to. So is there a role, do you believe, Michael, for government to play here in answering some of the questions you just posed? Do we need some sort of laws and or uh, regulations to protect customers and consumers? Absolutely. For too long, we've had both the government, um, the current minister, Champagne, um, as well as the CRTC, 
really take the side, if anything, of the big telecom companies. You know, for years, um, under a former chair, Jean-Pierre Blay, the CRTC, the regulator, was focused on consumers. They argued that their position was that they wanted to put consumers as the, as the top priority within the communication system. Uh, and that we've really slid backwards from that over the last number of years, where the priority seems to be big telecom. And so we haven't seen the kinds of advances we would have liked to have seen on issues like competition. We haven't seen consumer rights well protected. And so the, the, it's, it's gotten to the point that there are some that even wonder whether or not the CRTC is capable of having an, an independent review of some of these issues. We're long overdue to see some leadership from the government, which I think started yesterday with the meeting with some of the telcos and from the CRTC. Let's talk a bit more about uh, competition and increased competition, because I know you recently uh, wrote uh, on your personal website or your blog that uh, responding to the outage, it is time to get serious about competition. Do you think that this is going to uh, force or at least make government regulators uh, think twice about opening up a competition uh, when it comes to wireless service in this country? And would that be a good thing? Well, I hope they don't think twice. Uh, They ought to be moving forward as much as possible. I think no question about that. So uh, I'd like to I, I, we need to be more aggressive about these issues. You know, the, the, the concerns around pricing in Canada have, has been an issue now for a long time. Study after study from the government, from the private sectors identified Canadian internet and wireless services as amongst the, the highest in the developed world. And competition lies at the heart of that. And so policies that help foster new entrants, uh, an effective review of the proposed Shaw-Rogers merger, which, quite frankly, if you're serious about ensuring this competition, uh, ought to, really ought to be a non-starter. The idea that you would have millions more who could have been affected by what we saw last night is a problem. And when it comes time to choosing a head of the regulator, a head of the CRTC, which the government is going to do in the next couple of months, they need someone who comes from a telecom background, who recognizes that an affordable, resilient, reliable Uh, infrastructure is job one. When it comes to uh, the reasons why we haven't opened up the market, why we don't have increased competition, do we have an answer? Is there an easy answer here, uh, Michael? Is it about uh, maybe uh, protecting? I think some people believe that uh, maybe the government regulators are protecting the the companies that are already in place. There's also been an argument about uh, security concerns, letting uh, some foreign entities uh, into Canada when it comes to uh, telco and uh, telecommunications whether or not that's uh, legitimate or not, uh, those security concerns. Uh, why is it that uh, we seem to have a very closed marketplace right now when it comes to wireless? Well, we have it in part because of longstanding rules. The rules that have been relaxed a little bit so that it's open for uh, new entrants to come into the marketplace. But if you're a large international provider, the idea that you're going to start from scratch in a country seems unlikely. It's far more likely if you're going to enter into this marketplace that you'd want to scoop up one of the larger players. And that becomes hard to do given the kind of consolidation we've seen in the marketplace. Because if you're buying one of these large players, you're typically not just buying their their communications assets, their wireless and broadband assets. They may have broadcasting assets. They may have they own sports teams. There's all sorts of different things they own, some of which there may be strict rules against that kind of ownership. So it gets very complicated very quickly. And when some have sort of kicked the tire, so to speak, about thinking of entering the Canadian marketplace, we've seen just a full court press from the existing incumbents, from the big three, trying their best to to scare them off and keep them out. And governments have tried, but we haven't seen that kind of success. One of the things that we ought to be seeing is, can we get some of the independent, service-oriented, 
providers out there. So that we've got facilities-based ones, those building the towers like the Rogers and the Bells. We can have a, another layer of service provider that sits on top of that and has the ability, I think, to bring some new kinds of innovations into the marketplace. Is this a case as well of government once again playing catch-up, do we believe, uh, Michael, when it comes to a technology and laws around a technology? I mean, I'm looking at and thinking of social media and, of course, uh, what's gone on in the last couple of years with the likes of uh, the Mark Zuckerbergs of the world being uh, called in front of uh, lawmakers and trying to get a handle on uh, content and, uh, you know, questionable uh, content uh, online and who's uh, responsible uh, for that. Is what we're seeing unfold right here in front of us now in real time with Rogers, is this just another example of government playing catch up and, uh, you know, when it comes to regulations and laws to uh, the, this online situation? I think that's part of the story. I mean, I mean, I must say, I think the government has has really lost the plot when it comes more broadly to some of these digital issues. You know, Bill C-11, for example, that the online streaming bill, which started life as let's find a way to bring in a net Netflix and Disney's of the world into our into our into our regulatory framework, has morphed into something that now includes user-generated content and would affect millions of TikTokers and YouTubers. And and once you do that, I think you forget why it is that you were engaged in some of that legislation to begin with. And so I've got concerns about how a number of the proposals I think have been pretty misleading and quite dangerous, especially those that have come out of heritage. And part of that, I think, stems from the fact that the government's forgotten the sort of the economic imperative that's associated with many of these digital policies. They've turned some of it into cultural policies as opposed and cultural sovereignty issues as opposed to taking a look at the economic impact on some of these things. And on the telecom side, it's largely just a matter of, of the government just not prioritizing that issue. Um, and the fact that they kind of let it sit for so long, you see the result when you see what took place just last week. Just finally, Michael, let me ask you, what is an adequate uh, result or conclusion to uh, all of this? Uh, would you like to see uh, a customer bill of rights uh, when it comes uh, to the Internet and service of providers, uh, competition open up as we've been talking about? Uh, also interesting, this a class action uh, lawsuit. We were speaking to one of the lawyers last hour of our program uh, about that. And do you think that might go a long way into settling what uh, compensation uh, might or should look like? Right. I'd like to say yes to a bunch of those things if I could. Sure. You know, listen, I don't think this is. I don't think there, there's a single resolution to this. I mean, this is an ongoing project and requires addressing issues that have been simmering for some time. No question, we need stronger consumer protection rules. We need a deep commitment to competition. We need greater transparency associated with the system. And while I'm fine seeing the kind of class action lawsuits that have been raised, it shouldn't require a class action lawsuit for a consumer to be adequately compensated when service providers cause the kind of harm that they did just last week. All right. We'll leave it there. Michael Geist at the University of Ottawa. Michael, I appreciate the conversation and your time. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. You're on the Jeff MacArthur Show. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone. Like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.